ready. Ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, you can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. All right, folks. Today is Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. We've got Brother Hank Groover in the house. Brother Hank, you want to open us in prayer? Hallelujah, yes. Precious Heavenly Father, King of Glory, we we just enter into your presence tonight. We thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy. And we we invite your presence into wherever we're at. We we desire more of your presence in our lives. So we thank you that you are anywhere two or three are gathered in your name and and right now we are gathered in your name to glorify you and we we give this time to you that are that the words that are spoken bring encouragement bring um strength and and just joy to our hearts father as we just share about what you're doing and what you're gonna do and and share from your word we thank you for your word and we just once again we rejoice in this time that we have together and we commit it to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I say amen to that. Brother Hank, uh, happy new year to you and your family. And how you doing, my brother? Oh, thank you. Same to you. We are good. We are very blessed. It's it's hard to believe that 2023 is gone and we're entering into a new year. And just excited for what God is, is doing and, and going to do this year. I'll tell you what, time is flying. Sure is, and uh, oh my goodness, we got a lot to catch up on with that. I'm gonna throw the mic over to you, man. Take it away at any point you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, praise God. Yeah, it's it's been uh, since September of last year, and uh, I was only able to share uh, a little bit about the April Japan trip, and um, I think it was like three hours of, on two different shows. But that didn't even really fill up the whole trip that um, myself and Doug Suter went on in April of last year to Okinawa and then the mainland of Japan. So um, after Okinawa, I was in Guatemala for um, 10 days with a mission team from the River Church in Vancouver, Washington. And then um, just last October, a few months ago, I was back in Japan on the mainland Um with uh, a good friend of the family on my end, um, Milton Alvarez. And then um, we also met up with Joseph Chizinski, which was just an amazing, (laughs) amazing um, time with him. And and you set that all up, giving, you know, my information to him and his information to me. And um, that that was just so powerful. Such an amazing time. So that was actually a divine setup. Oh, it was. I uh, God had a plan, and I uh, when I heard what y'all were both doing, different parts of the globe, I said these guys got to connect, and God connected them. And uh, uh, y'all oh, did that trip glorious. when was that October, November, October? That was uh, yeah, October tenth. We arrived in in Japan, and um, that number ten, um, just it was God was just showing it all throughout that trip. October tenth. We arrived um, October 10th, 1995 was my first um, parents ministry trip to Japan. And then my dad passed away October 10th, 2019. And so 1010, um, yeah, just means completeness and, and bringing, um, bringing completeness and authority 
to something and and god really brought complete and authority to that japanese trip it was just powerful absolutely powerful um so yeah i I don't know how much i'll get into that trip tonight i kind of want to get um the last part of okinawa covered and then i think part of that trip so we'll see what the holy spirit wants to do today and um but yeah you're you're your divine appointment with that setting that up was was such a work of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely amazing. Praise Thank the Lord. Are. Take it away anywhere you want to go. It's all yours. Hallelujah. Well, let's uh, let's get into the Word of God a little bit here, and then I'll kind of tie in some testimonies about what what I feel the Holy Spirit was saying and and, and what. I believe the Holy Spirit is is beckoning us, the body of Christ, you know, into this new year and and into our lives. It's such a an important attribute that we all need, and and it's unity. Um, the body of Christ needs unity, and um, Ephesians four thirteen says, "Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness." of Christ. So Paul was was crying out here saying, look, we all have to come to the unity of the faith, the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, that he was a perfect man, and his measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We have to have that unity in the body of Christ. If we don't have that unity, we are not going to see um, the works that he did, let alone even anything close to greater works that Jesus said we would do. And so the unity, it's such an important part of the body of Christ. And, and we're so divided all across the world. It's so sad to see. Um, but Psalms 133, there's a whole chapter in the Bible that speaks about unity. And um, that's Psalms 133. The whole chapter is talking about unity. Now, it's only three verses, but <laughs> it's the whole chapter. And it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell in unity together. To dwell in together in unity. And then he goes on to say, this is what it's like when you dwell in unity together. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that round, ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts and to his garments. That precious ointment, this is my um, input on it, it, it's the anointing oil, the anointing of God. It'll run down all from the top of our head to the tips of our toes, all over our body. And that anointing is what breaks the yoke. It's powerful when the anointing is on you. And um, my dad always spoke about that. And he he, he would always know that the anointing would break the yoke. So if he was under heavy oppression, if he was um, fighting some ailment or something like that, he would he would want to preach. He would have to go and preach. And he knew when the anointing came upon him, that ailment, that sickness, that pain would go away. Verse um, That's verse 2. Verse 3 says, As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore. So once again, he's talking about how amazing it is when we dwell in unity together. This is what happens. The anointing comes down upon us. It comes down upon our head, you know, over our face and over our our body. But then he says, it's like the dew of Hermon. And and what does dew do in the morning? Dew, dew. (laughs) Um, Dew is, is 
you know, God's way of, of watering the grass and the flowers and things like that. It's that, that little bit of, of water in the morning. And on hot summer days in the Midwest, that, that dew is just, it's what sustains life during the summer months. And this is what the Word of God says, that unity is like the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. And it's where the Lord commanded the blessing of life forevermore. So his, his, his anointing, his, the unity, when the anointing comes upon the, the body of Christ in unity, it's like the dew that God sends forth, and it sustains life, and it, it creates a habitat for life to continue to grow when the sun is beating down on them and the, and the, the um, elements want to take everything out of it. It's just like the enemy attacking us. When he attacks us and, and his attacks are, are just beating us down. God sends his anointing that, and it's like the dew that he sends to the, the flowers and the grass, and it, it sustains us. It keeps us, gives us momentum. And this, the trip to Japan in, um, in April of this year, I shared on one of the podcasts, I think it was um, back in September also, I shared about how we, we went after Okinawa, we went up to the mainland, and we, we were stayed with a missionary couple. And um, this missionary couple, um, the husband, I think, is American. His wife is Canadian. And they ended up in um, Japan together. And they've been working the field. Now, they are the ones that um, built a new house. And they kept hearing sirens go by their home. They would follow the ambulance um, down the street, just maybe three or four blocks to the river opening. And the ambulance was retrieving bodies. People were committing suicide, jumping off the bridge upstream from them. So they learned about these suicides early when they um, moved into their home. And they started doing research. They found out that it was the number one bridge on a website in all of Japan for suicides. And then they talked to the, the police department and, um, and, and just finding out all this information but then they got a hold of Akira Mori, my dad's interpreter, and um, he came and visited them. And he told them about how my dad had always, you know, been walking and praying different bridges all over Japan and the train stations and, and, and coming against that spirit of suicide. And so they put those principles to work. My dad had already passed away. This was, I think, in um, 2020 range. And they put those principles to work. And not another suicide happened in that spot. So we were a powerful testimony. We were with that, that couple for, I think it was about three or four days. And on the last night, um, the Lord gave me a vision. It was a night vision. It was a dream. And in this dream, it, it was one of the most amazing experiences that I've ever had as a believer in Christ. Um, I received the interpretation for the dream, in the dream, and during the dream. <laughs> it was just absolutely amazing. It felt like I was there, and as I'm retelling it, it just brings me right back to it. So in this dream, in this vision, night vision, I'm, I'm walking down this, this path. It's like a dirt path. And I see this couple in front of me. They're maybe 100 yards in front of me or something like that. And they're walking side by side. They're not holding hands. They're, it looks like they're kind of not in agreement and almost arguing. 
a man and a woman. And off to their right is this mountain range. And it's a it's a long mountain range. And it's um but I, I have a vantage point where I see the back of them and then I see this mountain range off to their right. And all of a sudden, over this mountain range, I see these massive boulders being hurled at this couple. And in the dream, it's like, oh no, this is going to hit them and annihilate them. And I'm 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 just kind of in shock because these boulders are just start flying out over this mountain range over the top. And these things are massive boulders. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to decipher the dream as it's unfolding. So as these boulders are being hurled at this couple, the Holy Spirit says, there's giants over the mountain that you can't see that are hurling these, these, these massive boulders at this couple. And as he said that, the boulders are suspended in air, and it's almost and and before uh, I got to back up a little bit before um, I saw the boulders being hurled at them, I saw over each person's head the man and the woman like a cartoon caption, and that looked like a cloud. So on the man's um, above his head to the to the right of his head was like a cloud in a cartoon that you know has writing in it, and off to the left was another cloud. And it almost ha- is like a cartoon cl- caption also on hers. And so these were two small clouds above their head, and they were not um, close to each other. So back to the boulders are suspended in air. The Holy Spirit's saying the giants, there's giants, the enemy, is hurling these boulders at them. And then he began to say the two clouds are their vision. They don't have unity in their vision. And as these boulders are, are beginning to come closer to them, the man reaches over and he grabs, it, it appeared like his wife's hand. And when he grabbed her hand, the two clouds became one. <laughs> and they became one cloud that was, um, you know, a smaller cloud, but it was one. And the Holy Spirit said, now their unity they are together in unity. Their vision is together in unity in one. When that happened, all of a sudden, the cloud began to grow. And the Holy Spirit said, the more they are in unity, the bigger the vision becomes. And get this, as their vision grew, the boulders shrank. And the boulders became so small, the vision became so large, the boulders fell like little pebbles at their feet. They did not even know that those huge boulders were being hurled at them. They were kicking them at their feet. The Holy Spirit began to say, if you do not have unity, if you are not one in your vision, the enemy's attacks will knock you down. They will destroy you. But when you become one, when your vision becomes one and your unity becomes one in me, the attacks of the enemy will be, feel like they will seem like pebbles at your feet that you don't even notice. I woke up and my heart was just racing with joy. I'd never had an experience like that where not only do I have this vision, but I get the interpretation also. It was so powerful, brother. So powerful. 
And so that was that was literally the last ministry day in Japan in April. It was actually early May of this year of last year. And so I share that vision with them and um and I begin to share it with the body of Christ. We have to have unity. We have to be one in our vision. Our vision must be, first and foremost, I believe it must be for the souls of man. The church must unite in that common vision for the souls of mankind. That we are constantly, constantly in prayer, constantly in intercession for the lost, for our loved ones that that aren't walking with the Lord. That is something that the church can unite in. That is something that will bless the Father's heart. And so that's that's the encouragement for this year. And, and it, it's not only for this year. I mean, this is for our life as believers. We must be in unity for the lost. We must be in unity for, for the souls of mankind. Without it, we are just getting attacked and pummeled by the enemy. We are getting destroyed by him. And we, every time we get knocked down, it takes a little bit longer to get back up. But when the, the, the attacks become little pebbles at our feet, oh, how glorious it is, how, how amazing it is to walk with the Lord and experience that type of, of, of victory in overcoming. So I, I wanted to share that and um, just encourage the body of Christ to, to come in together in unity um, with your spouses Pray together with your spouses. Um, the enemy, he hates when we pray together. Um, I, it's been a very difficult thing for me to do for some reason. Pray with my, my wife, Heather. Um, it, we'll, we'll do it and we'll go through seasons where, where we do it. And then another season of just we, we let it lapse. And I, I, I'm desiring for this year to... Um, you know, covenant with my wife to pray with her every night before we go to bed. And um, it's so powerful when, when couples are praying together. Uh, there was a statistic done, I think, in the early 2000s, late 90s, about couples that, that pray together. And the divorce rate drops tremendously. The um, success rate of couples that, you know, stay together is it's I think like in the eighty high eighties, um, eighty or ninety percentile that when a couple prays together, their their chance of divorce is, is so dramatically reduced. So please pray with your spouse, um, wives. If if your husband isn't taking that um, first step, do it. Just go ahead and do it. It's okay. Um, for men, it's a little bit harder. I don't know what it is maybe it's just me but um it's 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 difficult to actually initiate it um i I don't know why shannon do you ever experience that is it harder do you pray with your wife or is it something that's difficult to initiate well i should be praying with her and the children every day and the fault is mine that i don't do that but i'm trying to do a better job um Amen. And so, for example, today we got up this morning. Uh, the babies all woke up. You know, they're six, four, and two. And I said, mm-hmm. "Let's pray." You know, I just feel the uh, 
the need like never before for families to pray together. And so where I have faltered in the past, Brother uh, Hank, I said, I'm going to do a better job. So we prayed and um, asked God to direct our paths for his protection. You know, um, I'll say this too. The family that you've heard prays together stays together. Yes. I'll go another step further, and I think that uh, it would be a beautiful thing if all families, including myself, would sit down and read the Bible together. And uh, where you have children who can read, let them read some passages. Listen, people got their heads buried in phones or watching TV or doing everything but uh, coming together uh, and putting the Lord first many times. No wonder the enemy has had, uh, you know, such an advantage Uh, you know, destroying homes and coming against our country. But if we'll come together, that's a cohesive unit. And what can stop that? Because where two or three are gathered, Jesus is in the midst. That's my micro-sermon. Back to you. (laughs) Amen. That's exactly it, brother. And, you know, I've been kind of doing a little study on the Lord of hosts. And that, that reference to Almighty God, it's referenced in the Bible over 270 times, the Lord of hosts. And it's a big part of um, prayer walking. So prayer walking kind of starts with Psalms 24, and that's verse 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, everything that's in it, everyone that's in it. And then you jump down to verse 7. Lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? His Lord strong, mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And then verse 24, verse, Psalms 24, verse 10 says this, Who is the King of glory? So the King of glory, from my research, is only listed four times in the Bible, the King of glory. And that's in these verses right here. (laughs) But verse 10 gives you the definition because they ask, who is this King of glory? It's the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Now the Lord of hosts is mentioned like over 270 times, as I said. So who is this Lord of hosts? What does this mean? What attribute of God is this? And why aren't we studying it more? Because <laughs> it's, it's all over the Bible. So the, the word hosts in the um, Hebrew, it's from 6633. It means this, a mass of persons, especially regularly organized for war, an army. Listen to those words, organized for war and army. So who is the king of glory? It's the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies. He is the captain. He is the the, the general of the armies of God. Now, if we are a New Testament believer, if we are believers in the Lord Jesus, 
we know that Jesus is full of glory. He's the glory of God. And so he is the king of glory. Now, the other attribute about him is he's the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. And that is what spiritual warfare is. It's being in his army, in God's army. And we've got to know that this walk with Christ, we've got to understand that our life in this in this in this world is basically a battle. <laughs> Each and every day we are in a battle. And we are in God's army. And the Lord of hosts, it's he, he has every battle plan. He has every victory. He has everything that we need. He is the ultimate in war strategy, if you could even, you know, describe him that way. <laughs> he has everything we need. But once again, we have to walk in it. We have to walk in a subjection to him to be under that covering. And when we, when we sin or when we're, we're not walking with the Lord, we're out of regiment. And what happens when you're, you know, in the military and if you are out of regiment, if you're AWOL, things like that, you are out of the protection of the army. So if you do that in a time of war, you can get, you know, hung <laughs> um, if they catch you. And so... We have to understand that this is when things happen in our lives that that shouldn't happen. It's when we're out of his protection, out of the army, out of that, that um, the, the word of God says, the angels of the Lord camp around those who fear him. So when we stop fearing God and we, and we drift into sin, we're out of his protection. And so prayer walking, my dad learned this for so many years of his life, it's what keeps you in God's army. It keeps you in the regiment. It keeps you in um, the the day-to-day operations of God's military. And, you know, it was said, uh, I would say it was said many times about my dad, he was a general of the faith. And I, I can definitely agree with that and understand that a little bit more since I've been just picking up the, the ministry and and going and, and, and doing these um, spiritual warfare things, walking and praying. He truly, truly was a general of the faith. And that was only because of his discipline and his obedience to walk with God. And it's, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's possible for every believer to walk with God. And the more we walk with him, the more we gain, the more um, battle strategy and, and just wisdom we gain. I was going back and trying to find the uh, testimony of uh, Snake Island that um, I had heard my dad give a really good um, detailed um, testimony about it. And I found it. It was on Steve Quayle's website. And so I finally found the YouTube and was listening to it a little bit before, you know, the show tonight. And uh, 
the the discipline that my dad speaks about it, it's so powerful and and he he made a statement in there and um i i, I don't want to misquote it but it was something along the lines of where the 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 christian believer is, is so much lacking this day and age is our authority in christ and basically making statements of fear and he was referring to um how his interpreter said no you can't go on that island you'll die there and um my dad's just like no i know my orders and and when he when the Holy Spirit spoke to him, he said, okay, I have my marching orders for tomorrow. He, he used that term quite often, and that's a military term. What are your marching orders? Okay, this is this has come from the high up. Here's your orders. Here's your marching orders. Go do them. And so he, my dad spoke of that often, how he received his marching orders or, or orders from the Holy Spirit, because he knew this was a battle. He knew he was in God's army. He knew the Lord of hosts was his um, general, was the, the captain of his army, the regiment he was in. And he took it very seriously. So it's, it's an exciting thing to be <laughs> in God's army. And um, I, we, we've, we've done a lot of these shows together, and, and on most of them you, you talk about how we really need to do a show about you know, the steps for prayer walking. And I think that's kind of what we'll get into here. Um, I want to share some basic steps and then maybe share a few testimonies in between each step and try and help people to understand what it is and the importance of it and um, why I feel every believer needs to be doing it. And I know my dad felt very strongly about that also. Um, But like you've shared so many times in the past interviews, Shannon, that nobody's talking about it. Nobody's, you know, teaching on it. Hardly anybody you know is doing it, <laughs> but God is, he's raising up an army. He's raising up an army all across the, the world. And um, we are running into to people that are prayer walking um, each and every trip I go on. I, I learn of somebody new that, has done extensive prayer walking or is doing more prayer walking. So it's exciting what God is doing. This last trip um, to Japan in October of this year, we were um, getting ready to walk and pray on um, Shikoku Island. And Shikoku Island has 88 um, Buddhist pilgrim sites in there. There's 88 temples and they, they go all the way around this island. The island is about 750 miles in circumference, and there's 88 um, stops on it, pilgrim stops. And if you complete those in your life, you've arrived. You don't have to do anything else. Um, you've reached the pinnacle, and you are set. <laughs> now, to do that properly, you have to wear white clothing, a lot of them have walking sticks, and you have to walk to each temple. And like I said, it's 750 miles circumference. <laughs> so it would take an extensive amount of time, months, if not a year or more, to, to do this. And so we, we went to um, the first temple, 
site. And then I think we went up to number four or five and we drove to all of them. But we always quote Psalms 24 when you get to the gates. Um, and we always make sure our armor is on. So why are we doing this? Why are we prayer walking? What is the, the purpose of it? What does it accomplish? And um, those are a few questions I, I hope to answer today. Um, I, I think that to where to start off would be, why do we need to walk and pray? Why do we need to get our feet on the ground? Why can't we prayer drive and things like that? And before I get into that, um, I do want to encourage people, before I forget, to download an app. There's a new app out there, and it's, it's called Holy Ground. And this app, I learned of it in Japan. And the, the brother that we went to Shikoku Island with encouraged all of us to download it. And it, it tracks your steps, just like a, a bicycle app or running app. So you, you hit start button, and it'll um, draw a red line where you've walked and prayed. And then you can do notes, and you can publish it. So um, if you download the app, and you zoom out and go over to Japan, you will see all these reddish-orange dots. And you can zoom in on the island of Shikoku, and you can see where we prayer walked. <laughs> so um, the island of Shikoku is straight southwest of Osaka. And uh, Kagagawa would probably be the closest no, I'm sorry. Um, Tokushima will be the closest area where you can zoom in and see the areas I prayer walked. Um, and then you can also see, yeah, just that whole region. So it's a really amazing app. It keeps track of your, your total prayer walks. It'll tell you how long you, you prayer walks, um, and it'll give you the distance. So one of the prayer walks back in October this year was two and a half hours, and it was just over two and a half miles. Um, and then it'll tell you the total miles you've walked and the total hours you've, you've prayer walked. And so this is an amazing, amazing resource. It's really fun to zoom out and see other people all around the world that are using this. I've, I've zoomed in on Israel, and there's people using it in Israel. Um, India, Pakistan... Um, I told my brother in Bangladesh about it, and he he had a few in in Bang or I'm sorry, not Bangladesh, but uh, in Pakistan. So he has a few prayer walks in Pakistan. I see it in India. So amazing resource, and um, I, I would have loved my dad to be able to use something like this back in the day, and we could attract, <laughs> you know, his steps and where he went and how he systematically prayer walked all the streets of different cities he was called to. So um, Holy Ground is the name of the app. And, uh, yeah, you just create an account by doing an uh, email address and a password or something like that. And so, yeah, I, I, I look forward to seeing some in your area, um, Shannon. Cool. What a neat app that is. I'll yeah, tell you what, to this place needs out. to be walked. Are you? Oh, boy. Yes, it does. Over oh, back over to you. Yes, it does. <laughs> So you get it started, and then we'll we'll get over there and, and help you out. So praise God. Um, first off, why do we prayer walk? Um, Hosea 
chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 says, the land mourns, okay? There's swearing, lying, murder, stealing, committing adultery. They break all bounds, They and bloodshed follows or touches bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field, the birds of heaven, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. That right there is powerful. <laughs> that describes why we must walk and pray. Where there's wickedness. Hosea 4 verses 1 says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And then verse 2 and 3, By swearing, lying, and killing, and stealing, committing adultery, they break out. Therefore, the, therefore shall the land mourn. The land languishes. Or, or languishes. Um, Jeremiah 50, verse 15, Shout out against her roundabout. She has given her hand. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls are thrown down. For it is a vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance upon her. Um, as he has done unto her. So, so God takes vengeance upon the people of the land when, when they are doing these, these atrocities. Um, the children of Israel, they, they got kicked out of um, Israel how many times because they fell away from God. They, they began to worship false idols and, and do just such wickedness. Um, high places, another reason we, we want to walk and pray. So, um, when in the Old Testament it talks about um, destroying their high places Deuteronomy 12 verse 2 you shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains upon the hills and under every green tree Deuteronomy um, so there, there's many verses in the Old Testament that talk about the high places Many of them. Um, and we've experienced this in Guatemala all too often. <laughs> Under every green tree, they've taken me to so many different places in the mountains where they're doing sacrifice to the God of this world, where they're burning incense, candles. And, and that's the, the, the kind of the baby side of it, the, the new people into witchcraft is just candles and, and incense. But you get into the heavy witchcraft, and they're doing animal sacrifice and, and even human sacrifice. And the, so Jeremiah 3 says, um, 3 verse 9, I'm sorry, 3 verse 2, You have polluted the land with your vile whoredom. Therefore the showers have been withheld, the spring rain has not come. Yet you have the forehead of a whore, and you refuse to be ashamed. So because she took her whoredom lightly, she polluted the land. So the land becomes polluted. And when the land is polluted, God cannot bless it. Psalms uh, 141 says, Keep me from the trap they have laid for me and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. Um, that's not what I was looking for. So Deuteronomy 21 verses 8 and 9. Okay, so this is very important Old Testament um, command. What what they were to do after the, uh, a murder was committed. So Deuteronomy chapter twenty one verses eight and nine. Accept atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed, and do not set 
the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people Israel, so that their blood guilt be atoned for. Um, that's verse 8. And then, so you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from your midst when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. We've got to purge the, um, the land from innocent bloodshed. When innocent blood has been shed, the land mourns. It, it becomes vile, violated, and um, it, it gives a place for the enemy, a foothold for the enemy. When Cain killed Abel, God said to him, what have you done? Your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Um, in the Old Testament, it talks about how the life is in the blood. And uh, it's an important verse, so I want to look it up. It's in the blood. Um, so this tells us what... Um, this tells us how important you know, the blood of mankind is. And Jesus on the cross, the only way he could atone for our sins, the only way he could do that is by shedding his blood. The Word of God says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There is no forgiveness. There is no remission for sins. So when innocent blood has been shed through murderers, acts of violence, it gives a foothold to the enemy if we do not Get in there and cleanse the land. It's so important to to make that to apply the atonement, to apply the atonement that that God has done and set forth for us. So, um, let's see here. Strength. Ezekiel forty eight fourteen says they shall not sell or exchange any of the land. They may not alienate or um, this best part of the land for it is holy unto the Lord. Um, so we're not supposed to, children of Israel, we're not supposed to sell their land. They're not supposed to give away their inheritance. That is another thing that has caused um, the wickedness and, and things to happen in the land that it shouldn't happen. Um, let's see. Excuse me. Oh, Lord. Um, Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 36 says, um, Caleb, he shall see the, the promised land. And to him and his children, I am giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. So this is an area of redeeming the land. God wants to give us the land that we have walked. And and my dad always claimed the, the, um, the promise to Abraham. Look, I will give you the land where the soul, wherever the soles of your feet have tread. And we, we desire that. So God's kingdom can come. So God's glory. So the King of glory can come in. And and that is what prayer walking does. It, it allows the King of glory to come in. And it, there's such an amazing testimony this last trip to, to Japan about the King of Glory um, coming in. And uh, hopefully I'll, I'll have time to share that. But the King of Glory, God wants to give us the land that we walk on. He wants to give us where the, 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 our foot treads upon. 
He will give it to us if we're faithful and we walk with him. Um, let's see here. So all of Leviticus chapter 26 talks about walking in his statutes and then blessings and curses, how they remove the people so the land can enjoy its Sabbaths. So that's a very important um, principle in the Old Testament. God said, look, if you do not follow my commandments, if you do not allow the land itself to have Sabbaths, to, to rest, I will take it from you. And it will lay desolate where it gets its Sabbaths. The land, I mean, the earth is the Lord's the fullness there of all that dwell in it. God created it. And when he created it, he said it is good. And we, as believers, it's up to us to, to help maintain it and take care of it and, and walk with God, like, in the midst of the garden. And, and Adam and Eve, they, they had that, that privilege of walking with God in the garden. And then they sinned, and, and that was taken away from them. So prayer walking, it gets us back to that garden experience where we can walk with God. And we can just talk to him, talk to him about sin, talk to him about what we're seeing. And then the more disciplined we become, the more um, prayer walking that we do, the closer, the more sensitive we become to the Holy Spirit and what he speaks and what he wants to to lead us to. And that's when it gets extremely exciting. (laughs) Um, So Exodus chapter 20. Um, yeah, Leviticus. Okay, so here's here's life is in the blood. Leviticus chapter seventeen. It says, "Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled." So that is a powerful principle. This is a powerful principle. Why did God allow the children of Israel to kick out to to utterly destroy those? other um, ites that were in the land, the Canaanites, Perizzites, all these ites, God brought the children of Israel in to eradicate them because they had defiled themselves so much. Listen to those words. Leviticus 18, verse 24. Do not defile yourself in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. In verse 25, It doesn't get any more plain than this. Even the land was defiled. So I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. You must keep my decrees and my laws. The native-born and the foreigners residing among you must not do any of these detestable things. Verse 27, for all these things were done by the people who lived in land before you, and the land became defiled. Land became defiled. So prayer walking is redeeming defiled land. Verse 25 says, The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. You are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession, you shall grant redemption of the land. Another key principle of prayer walking, we are granting redemption through the blood of Jesus for the land that has been defiled. Um, 
And Numbers, verse 14, says, verse 18, The Lord is long-suffering, abundant mercy, forgiving iniquity, transgressions, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to this greatness of your mercy, just have, as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even till now. And so, Lord... He wants to pardon these things. He wants to. Um, he wants us to write that 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 redemption because verse twenty says, "And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your words, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord." And that's Numbers fourteen, verse twenty one. We want the glory of the Lord to come down, don't we? We want to see his glory come into this earth. Um, Psalms 24 says, so that the king of glory shall come in. And that's why we quote Psalms 24 when we enter into temples, when we enter into high places, when we enter into areas where you know there's been a shift in the spiritual atmosphere. You know there's been accidents. You know there's been maybe rape, murder, violence, fires, there innocent blood has, has been shed. Where you know things like this have happened, we want to quote Psalms 24 so that the King of glory shall come in. But before we go out, before we do this, I want to get into the steps of preparation. Um, so these are just some verses about why we walk and pray and also what it does, what the purpose of it is for. So, before you you enter into prayer walking, there's some basic steps, and the most important is sin in your own life. So you must you must repent of any known and unknown sin in your life. That is the the most important principle. If you're not going to do that, don't go out prayer walking. Don't go out to battle. It's like going out to battle. Um, and just running to the front lines with no cover, with no protection, with no um, no instructions. It's foolishness. It's a simple task. Repent. And it can just be a simple prayer. Father, I ask that you'll forgive me. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Forgive me for any known sin or unknown sin in my life. I repent of it. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me. I do not want any sin in my life to separate me from you or um, inhibit any of my prayers. So first and foremost, pray, repent of any known sin or unknown sin. Secondly, most important is make sure there's no um, disagreements or anything with you and your wife, your spouse. Do not go out to battle if you've been in an argument or if there's unresolved tension or anything like that. Don't do it. It, 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 Once again, it it leaves gaps in your armor. And the enemy's fiery darts will penetrate that area. Your mind won't be focused. You'll be thinking about that. And you will not be able to effectively walk and pray. So repent of any sin. Make sure there's nothing between you and your spouse. And um, if you can walk and pray with your spouse, all the better. But if you can't, it's it's not the end of the world. Um, just like I said, make sure you um, are right with your spouse. There's nothing 
in the midst of you that can cause any type of um, just gaps in your armor. And what happens is if, if you do have um, maybe an argument or something like that with your, your spouse and you go out and then um, the enemy really attacks your marriage and um, yeah, lustful thoughts will come to mind. Um, you just, it can really, really cause a lot of damage. So can't stress it enough enough. And it's kind of part of my dad's teaching in the prayer walking book also. So repent of any sin and make sure there's nothing between you and your spouse that can cause, um, um, gaps in your armor. So, um, after that, it's important to pray and put on the full armor of God. So, um, some people teach about they never take it off. Um, others teach about um, it comes off or on. I don't even know. I remember Shannon though that you asked my dad this question about his about the armor of God, and I thought his answer was very very wise. And because um, you had asked him, you know, should we t- do we take it off? Do we sleep with it? Do we? You know, it was always on, or, or do we take it off and whatnot? And I, I think sin will will cause parts of your armor to be removed or, or taken off. But what he said was um, anybody in the kind of natural um, war zone, if they have to sleep in the trenches, yeah, they have their armor on. But if they're out of the trenches, out of the war zone, their armor is off because you can't really good, good rest. So, um, he kind of put it that way that, yeah, I think there are times when, when our armor is off, um, and we're resting in the Lord. So the, um, brother that went with me to Japan and my dad on 14 trips, Doug Suter, he said he had some revelation from about the armor and, um, he said it's very flexible. It's almost like a, a full body swimsuit <laughs> and it, it, um, there's no need for it to come off. So who knows, uh, either way, make sure the full armor of God is on. And, um, I, I know Doug did say that sin will, will, um, allow it to be removed. So, um, we all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So better to be safe than sorry. Third step, put on the full armor of God. And when I'm doing that, um, I just, just quote it. So heavenly father, I come before you. I ask that you'll, um, position the full armor of God on me, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the shield of faith, the belt of truth. My loins are girt about my feet are shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I'm, I'm ready for battle. So, uh, just pray however you feel led to pray, put on the full armor of God. And, after that, it's um, it's time to to go, and so prayer walking. It's very important to to start out in your own community, your own neighborhood. Um, start walking and praying in the the areas around your home, in your your city, and um, your neighborhood. That that's that's the most important. So. Um, you can walk and pray, you know, a good part of your your neighborhood. And then if you're still not feeling 
anything different, like being led anywhere else, then just expand it. So, so go further out your neighborhood and it won't take much. You'll, the more you do it, the more sensitive you become to the Holy Spirit. So, um, after, after you're faithful in a little, God can give you more, but it's important to be faithful in a little bit and then God can entrust more to you. So, um, once again, repent of any sin. Make sure there's nothing between you and your spouse. Put on the full armor of God. And then it's time to go out and walk and pray. So when we walk and pray, this is kind of the steps for um, when we're out there walking and praying. So... Um, once you've begun walking and praying, like I said, it's important to quote Psalms 24. So if you're doing your neighborhood, right, when you step out your door, quote it. That's the gateway to your neighborhood. If you're um, entering into any schools or parks in your neighborhood, I would recommend quoting it when you enter into the, the school or the park area. Um, if you're being led into an area where you feel a little bit uneasy, but you know, the Holy Spirit's leading you there into a little wooded area, I would quote it before you enter that wooded area. Um, quote Psalms 24 verse one, and then jump down to seven through 10. And, um, so once again, something I didn't mention about what prayer walking we talked about kind of the reason for it and um, the defiled land and, and what defiles the land, bloodshed and, and just wickedness. And so another thing that prayer walking does, I, I shared this with um, Shannon on a, I think it was back in September, but Hosea 10 verses 12. I think this is a, an amazing definition of, of prayer walking. So for yourselves, righteousness reap steadfast love Break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. And that is my definition of prayer walking, breaking up fallow ground, land that has laid unsown for a year or more. Land that is hard needs to be broken up. And when it's broken up, the seeds that are sown can take root. And when they take root, they bear fruit. So um, Jeremiah 4 verse 3 says something similar. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. So prayer walking breaks up the ground. It breaks it up so that God can come and rain righteousness upon it. So that the seeds that are sown can take root. It's, it's powerful, absolutely powerful. Um, so, uh, prayer you can pray before you go out is Psalms 119 verse 133 um, it's, it's order my steps in your word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me so Lord I just ask that you will order my steps according to your word and let not any iniquity iniquity have dominion over me something powerful to pray after you put your armor on so when you're out walking and praying I call it the remit road Okay, so um, we have the Romans Road, which is um, verses on how to lead somebody to Christ. And so the Remit Road is, it, these, are, these are the steps that we 
that we pray that give us um, the knowledge and just kind of the know-how of how to walk and pray. So the first one for the remit road is John 20, verse 23. It says, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So when you're out walking and praying, it's important to remit sins so you do not retain them. And this is an extreme discipline, but it is a powerful, powerful discipline. It will transform not only your life, but it will transform those around you. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Um, Remitting sins means to release a person from a sin. Okay. So when we're remitting sins, it does not mean they are forgiven. It does not mean that we are acting like a priest forgiving people's sins. It means we're not retaining sin. And the sins to remit when you're out prayer walking, your senses will show you a new sin each and every day that you're doing it. So you will discern between good and evil, and you'll learn how to discern and remit sins. But some of the easiest ones to remit um, are when you hear somebody curse. Simple sin to remit. Lord, I remit that sin. I don't want to retain it. I ask um, that you will forgive that person. You'll pour out your goodness upon them that leads to repentance, which is Romans 2.4. I pray that you will open their eyes to the truth and that they will um, they will come to know you. So it's basically just praying for people instead of retaining sin. So when people curse, it's easy to retain that and, and do the opposite. Like, why are they cussing? You know, there's little kids around, or why are they talking that way to their little kids? Ah, oh, that's horrible. That's retaining sin. And that doesn't do anything for the sinner, and it affects you. So when we remit, now we're praying for that person. Now we're asking for God's goodness to be poured out upon them that leads to repentance. So um, cursing, you can see cigarette butts. You can put your foot on them as a point of contact. You see alcohol bottles. You can put your foot on those and and remit that sin and, and ask for God to reach that person. Graffiti is an easy one. If you see graffiti on the wall, um, words that are just vile and wicked. Don't retain it. Put your hand on it. Remit it. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that's Jesus' words on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's the the words of Stephen, the first martyr in the Bible. He looked up. He beheld the glory of God. And he said, Father, please do not lay this sin to their charge. Do not hold this sin against them. They don't know what they're doing. And that's how we have to act as believers also. We have to cry out on behalf of the sinner. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So that is what you're doing when you're out prayer walking. I call it the remit road. So John 20, verse 23, you remit the sin. You don't retain it. Um, Galatians 5 talks about what sin is. Sins, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lavishness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envying, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in times past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So you, you, it is so easy 
to see one or all of these things each and every single time you're out walking and praying. So that is what gives you the, the knowledge on how to pray and what to pray for. Now, if you're at an area and you do not, you know, there's no one around and you're not seeing anything, you're, you can pray blessings upon the families. Um, and you can also pray in the spirit. So my dad said majority of his time prayer walking was praying in the spirit. And, uh, and then he would remit as the Holy Spirit led him. So um, prayer walking is, a lot of it is praying in the spirit. So you're walking in the spirit, so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, but you're also praying in the spirit. And I want to encourage you, if you do not have a heavenly language and you are desiring one, I want to encourage you, the more you walk and pray, the more you commune with the, the Father, the more you ask while you are out walking and praying, you will receive. You will receive a heavenly prayer language. If you have not received it and you've been crying out to God, get out on the streets. Start walking and praying, remitting sin, and asking for your heavenly prayer language. It will be an amazing Amazing time with with the Holy Spirit. Um, So when you're remitting sins also, uh, the remit road is um, Romans 8, 1. It says, now there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So the sinner, they are are under condemnation 24 hours a day. And when we remit... um, the Holy Spirit lifts the heavy load of condemnation off of the sinner for a space of time so they can repent. And that was the definition that my dad received um, when he was walking in Shrewsbury, England, I believe it was. But we want to pray against condemnation and um, that God will just lift off that heavy condemnation off of the sinner. Romans 2, 4, we, we want to pray for the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So when I, when I come across somebody that I'm remitting their sins— I say, Lord, I remit that. I, I choose not to retain it. I ask that you'll forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I pray for your goodness to be poured out upon that sinner. I pray for so much of your goodness that it will lead them to repentance. Romans 2, 4. And then we pray, Romans nine, uh, Matthew 9, verse 37, 38. We pray that the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. So, Lord, I ask that you will send laborers to surround this person, that everywhere they turn, they will run into a believer that will show the goodness and the kindness of God, that will that will love them to Jesus. Lord, I ask that if you will use me to reach them, you will send me. You will give me the words. So um, we remit. We don't retain. We pray against condemnation. We ask for Romans 2, 4, the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And then we ask for Matthew 9, verse 37, the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. So those are the basic um, ways to pray for the sinner when we are out walking and praying. Um, If you're with a group of people, you want to do it in unity, obviously. Um, pray Pray in agreement. So encourage everybody at the start of it. Hey, if you're sensing anything, bring it up and let's stop where we're at. Bring it up. If there's any type of thoughts that come to your mind and um, they're maybe wicked thoughts or, or vile and you're not sure why they're coming to your mind, 
that's a good area to use discernment and bring it up with the group. And then you start praying in that direction. So if there's some type of um, weird sexual thought that comes to your mind, stop the group, um, talk about it, see if there's anybody else that has had anything like that happen, and then start praying for discernment where you are supposed to pray. So to aim your your prayer canyon that it might be a house, it might be a building, it might be a piece of land where um, a rape or something like that happened. So don't get condemned if you a thought pops into your mind that is, you know, vile or just out of left field. Talk to others in the group about it. Now, if you're alone and you're walking and praying, it's the same thing. Stop. Talk to the Holy Spirit. You know, I've committed my time to you, Lord. I don't know why this thought came to me. Um, Please show me how I'm supposed to pray or who I'm supposed to pray or where I'm supposed to pray for. Um, So that's important when you're walking with a group or even alone. Um, Praying agreement is Deuteronomy 32, verse 30. How should one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight except the rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? So one can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000. And that is the power of agreement. That is power of unity, just like the vision I started out, you know, with today. When that vision became one, the attacks of the enemy became nothing. And those giants were put to flight. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. So um, three people together. It's powerful. It's absolutely powerful. But um, not always can we walk in in groups. So don't let that stop you. Um, If you can walk with your spouse, awesome. If you can't, go out. Walk your neighborhood. Just do it. Just get your feet on the ground. Um, I shared it a little bit earlier, but God's definition of remitting sins, and this uh, came to my dad when he's walking and praying in England and Wales, he says, When you remit a person's sins, I, referring to God, lift the heavy load of condemnation off the sinner, giving them a space of time to repent. And that's, that's just the goodness of God. That's his goodness. And when we're not judging and condemning, God can do his work. The Holy Spirit can do his work. So these are the basic steps of remitting sins and prayer walking and how to just get started. Now, when you get more into it, you will, once again, he who is faithful in a little, God can entrust more to him. So my dad did not start, he did not hear innocent blood crying out from the ground, you know, probably the first I'd say 15, 20 years of prayer walking. But as he did it more, as he was led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would take him to areas where innocent blood had been shed. And that was, some of the areas were centuries, years old. Um, I got a little bug in my throat. Shannon, do you have any questions? I want to say, um, folks, uh, we're live with Hank Groover. If you're just joining us, Man, I'm in, I'm enjoying this teaching tonight. This is really a dream Amen. come true because um, the whole subject of prayer walking is so fascinating. Yet how many people do you know out there, folks, that do it? 
and of those that do it. Where are you going to learn how to do it? You know, the world's a big place. There's a lot of ground to cover. And uh, that's right. I'm so excited to be able to have you here and previously your father uh, to learn what we can about prayer walking. Uh, it's remained a mystery to many. And, uh, you know, I really believe, I'll step out here, Brother Hank, I believe it's part of the uh, the full gospel ministry. You know, we talk Amen. about uh, preaching the gospel, deliverance, healing ministry. Um, what's missing there? Prayer walking. Not missing from the Bible, but missing, you know, when we're, when we're talking about um, what other things make impact that the Lord would have us to do. He wants people to walk and take back the land, to possess Amen. the land. I've been reading in the Old Testament, uh, God said, I'm going to take this land away from people like the Philistines and Amorites and Amalekites, and I'm going to give it to you for possession. You know? That's right. Go and take the land back. And uh, many times some of the land has been, you know, defiled. What what you were saying when you read that scripture where the Lord will expel the people, you know, who have done these wicked things and don't do like they did, uh, really yeah. makes a lot of sense when you look at some of these ancient cultures that were doing human sacrifice like the Aztecs and the Mayans. And they got this group that uh, it's called the City of the Monkey God, which is something. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Wait a minute, City of Monkey God. Have you heard about that one? I uh, think we've talked about it. <laughs> uh, that's got to be a place that you could prayer walk. Now, people that were not prayer walkers or Christians tried to walk it, and they all came out of there with a flesh-eating virus, and they have these big pit vipers over there, and they made it just within fifty feet inside the. Uh, some of the grounds of this complex that hasn't been visited in hundreds of years because mm. God ran yeah. all these people out of there. They were worshiping other gods and human sacrifice. He expelled them. So it makes a lot of sense when you see these abandoned cities. And, you know, the question yeah. is, what happened to the people? Well, they were driven out. Yeah. The ones that didn't get killed and eaten. Yep. <laughs> I, I said all that to say this. Uh, we need to preach the gospel, cast out devils, Lay hands on the sick that they recover, and we need to prayer walk. That's my micro sermon. Back to you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen, brother. That is my dad's sermon most of his life. And one important thing to remember these like areas of the city the um that you were just talking about, the monkey god or is that the name of it? Right. Down in uh, okay. I think it's Honduras. Back over to you. Okay. Yeah, right, right, bordering Guatemala. So these are areas that are extreme high places, and you do not go in there unless you know the Holy Spirit's calling you to go in there. And the preparation beforehand, um, it's it's intense. You, I, I'm going to say you must fast and pray in, in areas like that, in areas where there has been um, much innocent bloodshed, human sacrifice, you must fast and pray to get your strength up. Um, if you go in there with the sin of presumption that you are, you're, you're just fine, you will get beat up. And uh, I don't say that to scare people, 
But I, I say that to you have to be walking with God and so fine tuned with the, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit to go into places like that. Um, and, and there's not a lot of people on the earth that are doing it to that extent. My dad, he was definitely one of them. Um, but he would never recommend going into those heavy, high places right out the gate. So be faithful in the little things, and then God will entrust you the greater things. And um, so, yeah, I, 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 I feel I've even been very slack the last year or so with kind of taking over the ministry and, and just um, assuming that I've had enough training for some of these things. Um, so I, I really, my wife is good at keeping me grounded. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, I, I just want to go, I want to go, 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 go. And the Holy spirit, he wants you to go, but you, you have to be ready and you have to be called to certain areas. So, um, don't go into these areas without, without, um, intercessors backing you and, um, prayer and fasting. That's pretty significant. I would, I don't know the days, but I would not go into an area like that without minimal five days of prayer and fasting, but probably more. So that's just kind of a little side note, but, um, yeah, we, this, the last two trips, the Guatemala trip and then the, um, the Japan trip, just, it's amazing the people that God is raising up that are, are desiring to learn prayer walking and, and that are doing it. And, um, the brother I met in, in Japan in April, uh, Tex, Tetsuya Watanabe is his name. He goes by Tex. He was raised in Mexico. Um, he's Japanese, but his dad moved to Mexico, um, when he was a young boy and he, um, his, I think he moved with two sisters and, I don't know if they were in a Catholic school or something like that, but um, his sisters came to the knowledge of Jesus, and he shortly after that also came to the knowledge of Jesus. So um, Precious Brother speaks Spanish, speaks Japanese, speaks English. And so I met him last April, and he he's the one that um, he's, he had a lot of suicides happening at the train. He lives in Tokyo, okay? And he had been hearing the suicides that were happening at his train station and he's crying out to God, God, what do we do about this? What is this? Please stop this, stop this. And it was almost like the Holy spirit told him you do something about it. And he's like, I don't know what to do about it. And shortly after that, he came across some prayer walking teachings. I don't know who, who it was. He did a little bit more research and he, he learned about my dad. And my dad had already passed away, but he um, got a hold of Akira Mori, my dad's interpreter. And he did a, a, a little Zoom meeting with, with Akira Mori during COVID and um, gave him some basic principles. And he started putting those principles to practice and walking and praying the train platforms near his home. And it was really quick results. Within a few months, he noticed 
like significant change. And I, I forget how many suicides were happening. It was definitely weekly. Um, but I don't know if it was like one to five a week or something like that, but he noticed that it, um, it drastically went down. So he kept doing it, kept walking and praying that area. And, um, within, I don't know if it was six months or so, the suicide stopped. And it's just the goodness of God. God wants his people to apply these principles, to apply the right of redemption to the land, um, to kick the enemy out, to evict the enemy where he is squatting. The enemy comes in and those spirits, they draw people to suicide. And it's something that we can stop. So if you're living in an area where there's a lot of auto accidents, those are perfect places to go in and walk and pray and and redeem the land. Um, there's a really powerful prayer that um, we pray at these sites, and it's in my dad's prayer walking book. Um, I'll read it here just in case somebody can't get a hold of the book and wants to quote it or or read it back. So it's, Father, according to your word, in obedience to your word, I come boldly before you in the courtroom of heaven. So this prayer can be declared at any site where there is a historical marker or known acts of violence, seduction, murder, involving innocent bloodshed. All right. So once again, Father, according to your word, in obedience to your word, I come boldly before you in the courtroom of heaven. Hebrews 4.16. Come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the shed blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus, the mind of Jesus, which you gave so freely. According to your word, in obedience to your word, I renounce the iniquities, hidden words, and works of darkness, all the way back to the first thought, word, deed, act, or gesture, and to as many generations back as needs be. I renounce the corruption, all fetishes, curses, or satanic ritualistic expressions that have defiled this ground. I render them void of power and expression from this time forth. I remit the sins even unto the descendants of those generations that are alive to this day. I remit their sins and ask you to send your goodness and your laborers to finish the work of redemption, healing, and reconciliation. I ask you, Father, to cleanse this ground, release it from blood guiltiness, I ask you to return it to its purity, bring it back from under the curse and its groanings. I say to you, earth, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be free from this innocent blood. All records of transgressions against you come back and be restored into life and fruitfulness so that you may be a blessing as you were meant to be. I ask you, Father, to release the earth and call back life, health, and peace. I ask you, Father, to lift off the heavy yoke of condemnation from the animals, the birds, the humans, from the ground all the way to heaven so that the Father can bless. So that is a sample of a prayer of declaration that we have used all over the world. My dad has used it all over the world, and we're, we're doing the same. And um, I shared about how we were in Guatemala in, in August of this year. We entered those grounds that um, was an old monastery old Catholic church, I believe the, um, when we're on the outside of the walls, the, our interpreter with us was telling us how he kind of made the comment that this place was built on the back of the Mayans 500 years ago. And they kind of revolted 
um, after so many years of just being brutalized and, you know, slave labor and, and killed, they finally revolted and ran away and went into the mountains. So he told me that. And once again, I, I use this line quite often. It doesn't take much discernment to discern that there's wickedness on that ground, that there's probably innocent bloodshed, that the, the land is defiled. It doesn't take discernment when you read a marker like that, when you know the history. <laughs> so let's go, you know, walk and pray in this area. So we walked into it, into the, the grounds. It's um, the walls are standing, but the roof has collapsed. And there's a, like a, a iron gate wall all the way around it, gate uh, all the way around it. So we walk in there with, I think there's five or six of us from the team. And we're walking in there for maybe five minutes. And one of the team members says, I don't like this place. It feels really heavy. And one of the other members said, oh, yeah, let's get out of here. And I said, no, no, this is good. (laughs) This is good that you're experiencing this because now we know that we can pray. Now we know we have some direction where to pray. And this can be broken off. And so I told him, let's get in pairs. Let's walk and pray around the grounds. Fairly large area, complex, probably 100 yards long, like the size of a football field. And um, so we break off in pairs, and we just start walking and praying. We come back together, and we prayed that prayer of declaration. And I was getting ready to pray it. I had been praying it the whole trip. And um, the the girl that Karina, who said, you know, I don't like this place. It feels heavy. She, When I started getting ready to read it, she's like, hey, can I read it? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. And so she reads it. And I'm, I'm recording her as she's reading this prayer of declaration. And she gets done, and you can see, like, her face just lighten up. A smile comes across her face, and she says these words, It lifted. I felt it lift off of me. <laughs> and we just began to rejoice. Yes, the, the, I'm not saying every single curse on that ground was lifted. But that heavy load of condemnation, that heavy load of sin was lifted off that ground that day. And she got, the Holy Spirit gave her the the discernment to feel it and then to feel it lift. So these, this is such a powerful work of redemption that we can do. And um, I love that she asked if she could read the, the, um, the renunciation, the prayer of renunciation, because it just goes to show that it, it does not have to be, you know, the leader of the group or the person that's been doing it the longest. It just has to be that person that is, is seeking God and desiring to, to see change. And this group, they were just an amazing group of, of people um, fasting and praying and, and just, Oh, just an awesome group. And, and one of these times I, I want to share about the Guatemala trip um, from start to finish. It was just a, an amazing, amazing trip. Um, but I don't want to break it up, so I'd rather share kind of from start to finish with that, um, all the testimonies and things we experienced. So prayer walking. It's something we all can do. It's something all, we all need to do. <laughs> And it's something we will see results with. We will see results. And the results are what give you testimonies. They give you that that extra um, 
umph, <laughs> that spiritual energy to that doesn't sound right. <laughs> they they give you just um, encouragement, for lack of better words. And when you see results, you want to keep doing something. And and that's what prayer walking does. We see results. And it, it's just, it's bringing the kingdom of God back to this earth, back to his, to his, his, his earth, to his land. Um, I think it's in Romans that says all creation is groaning and travailing, groaning and travailing in expectation for the sons of God. So the earth, it's, it's groaning and travailing because of the sin. And it's up to us to, to release that curse off the ground. It's not anything by our might, not by our power, but by his spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And um, Romans 8 says, all creation is groaning in travail, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. We are the sons of God. We are his children. It's waiting for us to help release it. And it's just a powerful, powerful discipline. For the believer, so um, Japan back in October, the the trip was just uh, absolutely, absolutely amazing. I each trip, I I don't know how God can can top it. Um, after Guatemala in August, I'm just like, wow, God, wow, God, wow, God, and then we get to Japan, and it's just wow, God, wow, God, wow. This, this is absolutely amazing what you're doing. And we, the first week we were able to spend with a Joseph and um, that was such a powerful time. I mean, it was just an amazing time with Joseph. I, I want to also do another show <laughs> about the time in Japan from start to finish too, because, Oh God was just showing up. It was so amazing, but I want to, end this show with with the testimony about the king of glory and so the the title of this this show um i would like it to be the king of glory shall come in and i'll i'll explain that to you here in a little bit and i'll send you a picture where you can put it on the um as the Thumbnail. The picture, yes, uh, to, with this one. So we this trip to to Japan. We I went with Milton Alvarez, and then we ended up meeting Joseph also. So me and Milton, we both had confirmation through the Holy Spirit that we were to walk and pray suicide forest, and we we both knew it. Um, we both brought it up, or or Milton brought it up. Um, just out of the blue, before we we went to Japan, and um, I had already had the Holy Spirit speaking to me about it um, at least eight months prior to that, and so I'm like, okay. And the schedule for Japan, there was nothing. Once again, there was nothing coming together. I I felt the Holy Spirit saying, "You need to go earlier. You need to go earlier." And that's when I changed it from um, going on the 11th, arriving on the 12th, to leaving on the 9th and arriving on the 10th. 
And after I, I changed that, I realized that, wow, we're arriving on the anniversary of my parents' first time to Japan. And um, so Milton and I, we schedule it and we say, look, if, if um, nothing opens up, we, we know our orders and it's suicide forest. So we'll, we'll walk and pray suicide forest. We don't know how to get there. We don't know much about it, but if that's it, that's it. We know that's what we're supposed to do. So we, um, I was trying to, to work some of the schedule with Akira Mori, my dad's interpreter. And, um, he had been in Australia. Then he was interpreting for, um, a pastor in Osaka. He hadn't been home for like, I think it was a month or something like that. And so we were arriving when he was finishing up his interpreting and hadn't been home yet. So he's like, look, I am sorry. I can, you know, meet you in the, in my, at my home, but I can't even meet you for very long there because I'm, I think him and his wife were going um, somewhere else together. So, so that just put like, wow, we, we have nothing on the schedule except for, we know suicide forest. And, um, so we're like, okay, Lord, we, we know, we know we are supposed to be there for a reason. And, um, I felt the Holy spirit also telling me book through. Um, so you were there at least two Sundays and, um, Milton was going to leave the Friday um, before the second Sunday that we would be there. He had a trip scheduled to be in Israel. And then the October 7th atrocity happened, and that actually changed. So he stayed the whole time I was there. And so we're working out the schedule, but we only have our one contact, which is Tex, the the brother I met last April. He lives in Tokyo. And um, so we're talking with him. And he's like, okay, so what are you guys going to do when you're, when you're here? And I'm like, well, we, we don't know exactly yet. Um, I'm trying to get into some churches that my dad preached in the Tokyo area, but haven't had any success yet. Um, but we do know we're supposed to walk and pray suicide forest. And he's like, oh, do you know how to get there? I'm like, no, we don't know where it's at exactly. We just near Mount Fuji. And, um, but we both feel very strongly about it. He's like, okay. And he says, well, um, I actually used to give tours to Mount Fuji and Suicide Forest area. So I'm very familiar with it. <laughs> um, maybe I can I can get you there. If not, I can at least help you navigate. I'm like, oh, praise God. So we were excited at that point. And um, so that was maybe 10 days before we're supposed to go to Japan. Then we're, we're still looking at trying to fill in the schedule and nothing's coming together. And I talked to him maybe a week before we're supposed to go. And he's like, okay, has anything else changed or developed? I'm like, not really. He's like, okay, you still want to get to Suicide Forest? I'm like, yes, we, we know we're supposed to be there. And if, um, you know, I didn't want to volunteer him to take us, but like, if, if you can help us out, you know, we would we'd be so grateful. He's like, let me see what I can do. So we arrived, and um, the, the amazing thing about Joseph when I talked to him, I think it was about seven days before we were supposed to go. We were going to arrive on the 10th. He was going to arrive originally on the 20th, I believe, of October in Japan. And um, so we found that out and we're like, oh, bummer. I guess we might see each other in the airport or coming and going. And we kind of made a joke. And he's like, well, let me see what I can do. 
I think he called me back within like less than two days and he said, Hey, I got my flight changed. I arrive on the 10th at like 2 PM. I'm like, what? Not only is it the same day, but it's like an hour after us. <laughs> so at that point, um, Tex was going to pick us up from the airport. So Tex picked all of us up from the airport. Um, and the next day, he took us to Suicide Forest in Mount Fuji. So not only did God provide the person to take us, um, but he provided transportation where we could go with a team. And Suicide Forest is at the base of Mount Fuji, which is about two-hour drive from the Tokyo area, depending where you're at in Tokyo. And it's not an easy place to navigate because the forest is, you know, the base of a mountain. So it's a large area. And so he he took us there and it was me milton um joseph and um i think two or three other other brothers and so we know we're supposed to go to suicide forest suicide forest is the number two place in the world for suicides the number one is the golden gate bridge and they say that people go in there they they don't get too far off the track the the path and they get lost they get disoriented and they um, can't find their way out, and they die in there, or they go in there with the sole purpose of committing suicide, and they hang themselves or whatever. We we were um, so Tex. He takes us to um, the first place was a cave, and it one was called the Wind Cave and the Ice Cave. And the legend was that they're kind of portals to, to hell because they're both at the one was at the entrance or close to the entrance of Suicide Forest. And the other one was at the uh, the other entrance on the path into Suicide Forest. So the first thing we do, we, we walk and pray these caves. The I think it was the ice cave the first one and so we go down in the cave we're, we're walking and praying and um they got shrines in there of course they've got um just incense burning and all these other things so quote psalms 24 open up your gates we lift up your everlasting doors king of glory shall come in and then um we get out of that and we go to the path and tex takes us to the to the path that is the entrance into the forest and before we went to Japan, I was in the Portland area. Milton lives in um, Portland, Oregon, Vancouver area. And we were at a meeting, and this lady gave us these little, almost like bamboo stakes. And they had Bible verses written on them. And she felt we were supposed to take them to Japan with us. And so we brought these little stakes with us. And we we put them at the entrance of Suicide Forest. We drove them into the ground, and then we put them in different areas and at the exit. Now, the other thing we both Milton and I felt was very important was to bring gospel tracks. And we brought over 3000, um, gospel tracks and the majority of them have, um, their chick tracks and they're in Japanese and they're the ones that say, this is your life. And so we positioned these gospel tracks and suicide forest all over in the forest. And we brought, um, Ziploc baggies, so they could be protected from the elements. So we, we put um, tracks and Ziploc baggies and we, we positioned them all over um, the forest area where we walked and prayed. 
And so we, we entered in that area. You could feel the heaviness I and mean, you could feel the, the, um, just the wickedness and the, that spirit of suicide drawing people in. It was, it was a very, very heavy area. And so we once again quote Psalms 24 as we enter, make sure everybody has their armor on. We're repenting of any known sin, unknown sin. This is a heavy place. I recommended fasting and praying before. Um, not everybody on the team um, fasted and prayed, but we we entered, I think it was about six or seven of us. And we prayer walked a, a stretch of it. <clears throat> now, the area is it's very volcanic, so the ground is uneven, and it just protrudes protrusions everywhere it's very interesting there's um signs don't go off the trails there's ropes um that are tied to trees and when teams go in to retrieve bodies they tie ropes to trees so they know how to get out that's how wicked this place is people get lost and they can't find their way out um so you know we're seeing all these things we're seeing there's signs you know about phone numbers to call if you're suicidal and, and things like that. But we go in, we take back the land. We quote Psalms 24. So the king of glory shall come in. We, we go in and we evict that spirit of suicide. We bring the king of glory, the Lord of hosts. We are a part of his army. We are walking. We are walking with him. He is the one that allows us to go in because we're with him. And that's the, the second half of Psalms 24. Open up your gates, be left for every hour like the Lord, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. So he's our captain. He is the one we are following in. And um, so powerful time for our walking. We get to the end of it, and there's the other cave. I don't know if it's the ice cave or wind cave. Um, we go down in that cave, walk and pray that. And um, <clears throat> we get done. We feel great release. I mean, it was, it was powerful. And, um, after that, um, text, he takes us to the base of Mount Fuji and there's a temple at the base of Mount Fuji. So this temple has been there for over 500 years. There's a Tory gate that is massive. I think it's over a hundred feet tall and it was constructed in 1480, I want to say. So, 10, 15 years before Columbus discovered America, <laughs> they built this Tory gate right there. And those Tory gates are those wooden gates um, at the entrance of every temple in Japan, every Buddhist temple. So we didn't know we were going to this area. And this is, like I said, it's the base of Mount Fuji where you enter to hike or um, drive up as far as you can to hike to the, the, the peak of Mount Fuji. And so... This um, this temple is ancient. I mean, ancient. So you go into these grounds. Once again, there doesn't take much discernment what you're supposed to remit. It's idolatry, idolatry, idolatry. It's all over. Worshipping of idols, worshipping of trees, everything. Um, <clears throat> I went in, started walking and praying all around the temple grounds, and, and um, everybody else on the team was a little bit tired. <laughs> so... They kind of were resting, and I saw a sign that led to a, a smaller temple, and it said it was like one of the original temples. 
I believe, on Mount Fuji. So I walked a few hundred yards up to that um, temple, and it was much smaller, but um, a lot older, or maybe part of the original one. And so, once again, Psalms 24, go in, remit the sins, um, praying against the wickedness that has happened on that ground, quoting the prayer of reconciliation, praying that prayer of reconciliation and redemption, asking God to release the ground from the, the covenant, release the people from that that um, that condemnation and the, the heaviness, the yoke that they are under because of the idolatry on the land. And so we got done with that. I post um, some pictures on, on Facebook and shortly like the next day or, or something like that, I got this amazing testimony and I, um, we received this testimony and we are just rejoicing. I mean, absolutely rejoicing. So I got it from Maeta. Maeta is the Guatemalan, um, that I met in Okinawa last April. <laughs> so Maeta is a powerful intercessor and she's from Guatemala, married an American serviceman, and she's been in station in Okinawa for the last almost two years, I think it is, or more. And so she sees the post about Mount Fuji and Suicide Forest, and she sends me this message. She says, Hi, Hank, I read your post on Facebook. I wanted to share the vision, a vision that the Lord gave me. We've been praying for God to send intercessors in Mount Fuji to intercessors to Mount Fuji and Suicide Forest since May of this year. <laughs> so she confirms that with us. But then the vision she had was just absolutely powerful, powerful, powerful. And um, I want to share it with you here. Hopefully I can open it up. And I might have to find it here. So like I said, she, she says we've been praying for people to – they've been interceding and praying that people would – God would send intercessors and people to prayer walk Mount Fuji and Suicide Forest. And this is the, the vision. So in the month of June 2023, I was praying with other intercessors, and the Lord showed me a giant that was sleeping. He was tied to the ground. It was like Gulliver. It, it had what looked like ropes or chains that bound him and hindered him, hindered his movement. I asked the Lord, what is this? The Holy Spirit said, this is my church. It is sleeping and can't get up. Pray that each chain would be broken so my people may arise. As I continued to, continue to, to pray, I would see words that represented spirits and sins that were binding the church in Japan. I began to pray and to repent and plead the blood of Jesus over each spirit and sin as they came to my mind. As I looked, I noticed the body was like cement. It was like a hard shell. I knew that as we continued to pray and intercede and repent, the ropes and chains would break. The Lord showed me all the chains breaking. The church, a giant, woke up, and suddenly lightning came from heaven and pierced the giant right in his heart with a flashing sword. The giant arose immediately, a radiant bride. Her light shined so bright it spread throughout the nearby coastlands and the nations. Now, she said, I was preparing to write my journal entry on this blog. I was searching for an image to share with it. I was hoping to find a drawing or maybe an image from a film or movie. But what I found was a picture that was exactly what I saw, a giant Gulliver made out of cement. When I looked at the picture, I was surprised at what I saw in the background. 
I could see Mount Fuji. <laughs> As I examined the image carefully, I realized it was a real place. Could it be here in Japan? Sure enough, it was a picture taken from a theme park called Gulliver's Kingdom, located near um, Yamanachi Prefecture. As I did more research, I learned that this theme park was only open for four years before it closed down. Some believe that one of the reasons was due to its location. The developers thought that a location close to Mount Fuji would be perfect due to the high traffic of tourists that visit Mount Fuji each year. However, this area is also neighbor to Suicide Forest, one of the highest places of suicide in the world. Remember, this is what she wrote in June of last year. Listen to these words. It is my prayer that the Lord would raise up a people that would stand in the gap and pray to drive the forces of darkness in this area back. <laughs> that as we pray, being led by a spirit, darkness would be judged and cast out. If you're reading this blog and are an ancestor, pre- please pray over this area in Japan. <laughs> we had no idea she wrote this until she sent it to us after we walked and prayed. Suicide Forest, and Mount Fuji. Now remember, once again, every time we go into these places, we quote it. Open up your gates, we lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in. The King of Glory shall come in. We, we received that confirmation, I think it was the third day in Japan. We were excited. You know, we, we knew God was moving. It was powerful. But, brother, what we received the last, uh, it was almost um, a week later, just sent confirmation to us that we'd never dreamed of. I mean, it was just so powerful. So I get a message from a person in Japan that I had friended, and I still don't really know who they are. Um, I have an idea, but they're... Um, their name is in Japanese. So um, I'm sending you the pictures right now. And these are the ones I want you to put up on the, with the um, podcast. So this person sends me these pictures. And this is what he says with these pictures. Dear brother, Hank, Mount Fuji has shined gold by a photo unprocessed. Whoa. It's from a photographer on Twitter on the 20th. Listen to this. He said this is the first time possibly in a hundred years. Wow. I think it's a sign because of you guys walking and praying. Oh, man. <laughs> the king of glory shall come in. Look at that picture. It is Mount Fuji shining with a golden radiance about it. The first picture looks like a fire at the base of it, and then the second picture just consumes the whole mountain. But lift up your heads, and the king of glory shall come in. It reminds me of um, in the Old Testament, Exodus. And Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain, Exodus 24, verse 15. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai. The cloud covered it six days, and the Lord called on Moses in the midst of the cloud. But the cloud covered it, and it was like fire, right? The chill, um, Verse 17 says, And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children. <laughs> Doesn't that look like a devouring fire? 
What first a beautiful time, photo. First time in 100 years. So think about it. They, they possibly have a record of this happening before, but they didn't have um, color photography. <laughs> but the king of glory shall come in. So we received that confirmation, brother. And it was just the years and the years that my dad sowed and, and broke up the fallow ground in, in Japan. It, it's fruit that shall remain. The other amazing thing about this trip was we didn't have a single meeting set up um, through my dad's interpreter. The last weekend we were in Tokyo, the weekend that um, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, stay through the second Sunday. When we first arrived and, and everything fell through with um, Akira, like we had nothing scheduled. I was very close to looking for flights to leave earlier when Milton was leaving, like on the um, 18th or 19th. And I actually opened up my phone and I started looking at flights and then I got sidetracked and, and praise God, I didn't do anything. The last weekend we were there, between the two of us, we preached seven sermons in two days. The Sunday, we preached five sermons between the two of us. I preached three. He preached two of them. We were at three different churches, four different churches. <laughs> God opened so many doors. It was just amazing. Every church I went to, brother, one to four people came up to me. And these are churches that were not set up through my dad whatsoever. Every church I preached at, one to four people came up to me and said, I heard your dad preach at this church such and such date. It impacted my life in a powerful way. Every church that I spoke at, people were coming up to me and saying, you know, I'd expect that from churches where, you know, they were set up by Akira, <laughs> but not churches that, you know, had no clue that I was going to be there or we had no clue where we were going to be. So God was just so faithful. This trip was so amazing. Um, I'll share this with on the next time when we talk about the whole Japan trip as a whole, but um, we, we did deliverance with a brother in, in Japan. He was from Scotland. His name was Scott and he got a hold of um, Joseph and it was through an amazing set of contacts. It was, it was crazy how he got a hold of Joseph. Um, and so we're, we're talking with Scott in the Airbnb we had, and we told him we were just done walking and praying suicide forest. He told us that he was there with a friend a number of years ago, not too long ago. He was in the same area we were at. He went off the beaten path only a few hundred yards at most. He said him and his friend found the remains of two people. Wow. One still had flesh. The other was bones. He said that that messed up his friend. His friend is still extremely disturbed to this day. Like it, it messed with his mind so much. He, he's just not normal like he was. Praise God, Scott. It, it didn't affect him in that way. And then Scott got gloriously saved after that. And I'll share his testimony next time. But the power that forest has on people, not only people that are killing themselves, but on people that, you know, the family, the victims, and um, just people that are going in there looking for bodies. Logan Paul did a thing a number of years ago where he went into suicide forest. Right. He didn't believe it was that big of a deal. And he found, he recorded somebody that had hung themselves. 
Um, so we are believing that the king of glory <laughs> has come into that area and those suicides are done by the power of the Holy Spirit and the bloodshed of Jesus. So um, it's exciting and uh, I, I look forward to sharing more testimonies about Guatemala and um, the Japan trip mm-hmm. in a whole, as a whole on the next time we're together. But God is good, brother. He is good all the time. Oh, yes, folks, wait till you see the photograph that Brother Hank has for this program tonight. What a confirmation, Amen. brother, that um, yes. what you're doing has made a difference and continues uh, That's right. to recover the land, in Jesus' name, that the enemy has tried to destroy and keep bound up in bondage. By the way, um, folks... Um, if you love this program tonight, you're going to love the other ones Brother Hank has done and more to come. Brother Hank, tell people how they can uh, make contact with your ministry, follow it, and support the work you're doing. Amen. Yeah. Um, our website, we like to draw people to the website, um, Henry Gruber, H-E-N-R-Y-G-R-U-V-E-R dot O-R-G. Um, sometimes dot com will take you to a bad website so .org I think is the safest route um, but yeah come to the website you can message us you can sign up for updates uh, I am trying to send the subscribers out newsletters and different um, things information like this uh, I want to put this in yes. in a newsletter with the pictures and uh, I'm just going to have the time to do it. You can also go to the Henry Groover Ministries Facebook page, and you'll see a lot of the pictures and posts and things like that. So, Brother, a newsletter um, would yeah. be great. Uh, do you have PayPal what, over there where people yeah. can give? Yes, on the website is PayPal and um, old-fashioned checks by the mail. The uh, mailing address is on the website, and there's also resources on the website. Um I've been converting more and more digital items, and um, that's been a blast. We didn't oh, get to talk about right. that much this time, but oh, that's exactly yeah. right. Um, uh, you've got hundreds of cassettes you've digitized, I believe. Um, yes, yes, hundreds and, uh, of them, hundreds of hours. How do people obtain a copy? Can they purchase them? How do they get them? Yeah, so um, we've got them on flash drives or little MP3 players, um, and they can email us and ask for that. Um, the email is pretty simple. It's just JSM. That's short for Joyful Sound Ministries. And then it's at minister.com. So JSM at minister.com. And you can just say, hey, I'd, I'd love one of the, or interested in the flash drive or MP3 player. <clears throat> and um, everything's a free will offering, so we don't put a price on it. The only thing I ask is the MP3 players um, be a little bit more considerable on the donation for those. They cost quite a bit more than a flash drive. Um, but, yeah, you can email us. is probably the best way right now since um, I don't have those up on the website quite yet. I oh hope to goodness. have them on there pretty this soon. Is great. Now, do you, um, did you so. get them all digitized or you still have more you're going to do? <laughs> I think I'm over halfway. Oh wow! This is great news. <laughs> yeah, there are hundred. Uh, now I haven't even started on the CDs, brother. Oh, 
Uh, that's just cassette tapes. I think I've done like 250 cassette tapes, and I probably have a couple hundred to go. CDs, I don't even know, maybe a few hundred, but those are easier, obviously. Oh, sure. But then the VHS, um, hundreds of VHS. So, yeah, it's going to be amazing when it's um, done. Um, VHS. I tell you what. Yes. Um, the 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 machine to do that on is called the Ion uh, VCR to PC deck. And okay. You, you put the. Um, I I worked on this for A. A. Allen's son, Paul Allen, my friend. Oh wow. We digitized um, about two hundred of his VHS. Oh, cool. And what you do is you got this machine and you plug it to the computer, put in the VCR, and Mm -hmm. uh, with the software, it will digitize it. And then, um, you know, if it's a two-hour video, it'll take two hours to to digitize, and then you get it as a file on your computer. Oh, wow. Um, So it'll be a um, a video file, a digital file. Exactly. Can you pull the, just um, make it a audio file from that also, or is it... Well, sure. So um, what you can do is um, you've got the video, and then there's a piece of software. I've got got it on my computer. I'll send you the name, which will take any video and strip the audio out of it. Very simple oh, process. Okay. And um, the, uh, these machines um, are so old in terms of people don't really convert these hard anymore that you need um, you need a Windows 7 computer to do it oh gosh or uh, even a uh, Windows XP works great too okay so um, oh my uh, I have both and uh, I will help you get the hardware you need now there may be some other devices that will do it too uh, sure I found a way to do those cassettes pretty easily so that that may, same company may make uh, uh, a VCR dubber but I'm not so sure see what you can find yeah. if not I got a solution for you at any rate and uh, folks, uh, you like Indiana Jones? Listen, this is the real Indiana Jones. What the the work that uh, Hank and his father Henry are doing for the kingdom of God? I mean, the adventures that you go on, my friend, uh, yeah. are exciting. Oh my goodness! Um, and I already loaded you up with a couple emails from Bali, so you got to put that on the oh, map. Uh, there are six major yeah. temples here, nine according to other sources that arrange strategically uh, for, well, I know what it is, just occult power. They say for protection mm-hmm. of the island. Yeah. In fact, in about yeah. two, two months, uh, they're going to shut down the whole island for silent day. For 24 hours, everything goes dark. Oh, because Lord. they believe a demon is flying over the island. And if it sees nobody home, meaning nobody's got lights on, it'll pass over the island until the next year. So I've been through this thing about seven times already. Oh, and uh, you wickedness. have to black out the windows and uh, everything shuts down. You can't walk on the streets or you get in trouble. So um, this wow. is a unique animal over here. It's like a mini India, but mm-hmm. it's got its own stuff. There's a uh, even a hotel here in closing. I'll make the story short. Where there yeah. was an earthquake or fire, excuse me, and only uh, one four didn't get burned. And that's the form mm. that they've dedicated to a sea goddess. So people can oh. go up, and it remains untouched. And you can go in this hotel room, and it's turned into a sanctuary for this uh, uh, sea goddess 
who supposedly mm. sells across the oceans here. You know, like a oh, wow. queen of the coast. They got a name for her, though. There's all kinds of demons yeah. here. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to walk your legs off because there's not a block that doesn't have temples here. Uh-huh. Altars. Uh. Both in your house, and then every block has a, a community temple, and then there's bigger temples. This is just one huge temple island that they call the Island oh. of the Gods. There's one more place that we need to remember. You've got to hit Philippines, and it's called Sikikor Island, the Island of the Witches. Mm. There's a whole story on that, too. Man, you got your work cut out. Wow. You. My goodness. Um, oh, boy. Folks, we got support a lot the work. Of fasting to do. <laughs> um, go to henrygroover.com. Um, you can find Brother Hank up on Facebook. My friend, we got another two shows. Uh, we need to book and um, look at your schedule we'll get them done you want to close us in prayer thank you for coming on tonight my friend yeah thank you so good being back with you brother I'm likewise excited to to hear your voice again so honored to be with you hallelujah well thank you heavenly father we thank you that um, you are glorified we thank you that you are the king of glory and we we desire to bring your glory wherever you will wherever your will is for it to go and that's into into all of your earth all of your nations father that it might just penetrate the darkness and bring those that are blinded into the light the true light the gospel of jesus so we thank you we glorify you we just pray that these words have brought encouragement and and just faith to our hearts and Lord, we, we ask that you'll protect whatever words that are spoken and Lord, that they will not fall to the ground um, void or unfruitful, but they will accomplish what you have sent them forth to accomplish. So we thank you, Lord. We ask your blessings upon Shannon and his family. And Lord, we just ask that he will continue and, and just be a, a brighter light shining in that dark world that he is in lord he will he is a bright light shining in bali those people that are so lost and so so broken and hurting father they will they will see something different about this man and his family and they will inquire and they will come to know the king of glory so lord, we thank you we just praise you we give you all the glory in jesus mighty name amen i say amen to that i receive that my friend we love and appreciate you hank i'll get this up yes. for you yeah, I have it for you, you so uh, in the next 24 hours, and I also owe you those other audio files. I get to work on that. We love and appreciate. You know, you, I my found friend. them, so oh, don't you worry about it. I, oh, okay. Yeah, I I can download them pretty easily. So okay, thank you, excellent, if, yeah. folks. Um, well, bless you, brother. Brother, what a powerful show tonight! The King of Glory shall come mm. in, and a uh, beautiful yeah. photo. Uh, we'll see you again soon. God bless you. All right, brother. Blessings. Bye now. Folks, were you blessed today like I was? Awesome. I'll tell you what. We uh, started today at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern. That's right. We did uh, three shows this morning. Ivory Hopkins... Michael Cummins from England. We had Robert Avila from Sweden.
We took a break, although I only slept about an hour, 45 minutes. I'm going to get to sleep here in a bit. Um, I, I was working on multiple projects and um, m- made some great progress. That's all I'll say right now. 7 o'clock, we were back. We had Michael Basham. We had John Gogan and a two-hour special with Hank Groover, the prayer walker. The real Indiana Jones. You just heard him. And uh, boy, the adventures he's been on and the ones he's going to be going on. Follow this man's ministry and support it. It is awesome. HenryGroover.com, Joyful Sound Ministries. Okay, we're going to be back um, tomorrow, 7 p.m. We're going to have Gary Stafford. We're going to have King Ren Ritchie and open lines tomorrow night. I believe the Demon Hotline actually tomorrow night. Speak my word and more. We're going to be doing a three shows over the next week with Doug Perry. Return of Doug Perry. I'm looking forward to having him back on. It's been too long. Next week is Loaded Up. And uh, great stuff for you all month long. I just got caught up, so everything through yesterday is uploaded. And I will upload four, five, six, today's six shows here when I wake back up later tonight. Um, Morning for you over there. Love you all. God richly bless you. You can find me on Facebook, but my website, most important thing, go to there. You can find all the links you need, omegamanradio.com. That's it. Have a great night, and uh, we will see you next time. God bless you all. Don't forget to tell a friend.